Hello and welcome back to the second episode of the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Ansamo, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Valachi. Nick, how's the week gone? Uh, it's been good, man. It's been good. You know, we're in 2022 now. So uh, not only on a personal level, but we're looking forward to uh, the Blue Jays in 2022. Yes, sir. It's going to be an exciting 2022 for sure. Uh, this episode is going to be basically a look into what 2022 has in store for our Toronto Blue Jays. Um, let's start off the episode with, in my opinion, it's going to be an extremely positive 2022, but uh, let's get to your thoughts first. Um, I think it's going to be a big year, right? I think uh, this will be the first time that in a while that we'll come into the season feeling like we can win the division, you know? We saw, we saw a lot of positives last year. Uh, sure, we lost a couple guys, but we started adding some, and we're going to see some big jumps from guys like uh, like Bo and I think from Lourdes. And, you know, Vlad we already saw, but I think he'll maintain that. Uh, and the pieces are really coming together. You know, I think there's still a couple more improvements that could be made, but uh, all in all, it looks good. And from the pitching side, we've added a couple relief, uh, relief arms. We'll probably add some more, uh, add a starter or two, and, you know, with a full season of Berrios, full season of Manoa, you know, things are going to – Things are looking good in the East. That is for sure. It definitely looks extremely entertaining from an entertainment standpoint. You know, like you said, they did lose some key pieces to the roster, but the best thing about it is they actually went out and spent money to replace those holes. Like uh, losing Ray, of course, uh, was a huge loss, but bringing in, like you said, Gosman, uh, you know, that that is a massive move. Uh, We touched up on that last episode, but let's get into uh, our first topic here today. And that is in 2022, um, there's an announcement that Rogers Center is going to be getting about 200 to 250 million in upgrades to Rogers Center. Uh, Tell me, is there anything you want to see specifically added to Rogers Center? Anything, you know, league around, everybody has their own little unique thing. Is there anything you want to see come to Rogers Center this summer? Uh, well, I don't know if there's something specifically on my mind right now, but I will say that it definitely is like overdue uh, in terms of a lot of renovations. It's pretty, you know, uh, a general opinion around the league that Rogers Center definitely isn't one of the nicest looking uh, stadiums, at, you know, in this current day. I mean, sure, when it was like newer, uh, all the all the flashiness was there, but over time, it's definitely lost that. So I think this is a good move by Rogers to put more money into it. Um, I think they could definitely make some upgrades in terms of the uh, seating. Uh, I know you yourself uh, are a big supporter of that, but uh, overall, no, I, th- I think they just need to put the money in and uh, it, it should pay dividends to them in the future. Yeah. Like you said, uh, the seating, like, I don't know. I find like I go to uh, Scotiabank arena a lot as you know, we cover the Leafs as well on this platform, but uh, I find like the seating there, you really get that feel of, um, you know, when you buy a more expensive ticket, you get more kind of, uh, stuff with that and your experience is a little bit different in a positive way than it would be to buy, you know, a rather less expensive ticket upstairs. I think you get more access to personal stuff like the Molson bar downstairs uh, underneath the, you know, the sections. But, uh, you know, I think like if they add kind of more um, luxury stuff in a way with that money, 
Uh, I think the ballpark's awesome. I think the view of the CN Tower is really cool. Uh, so I don't want to touch any stuff around there. And I think the dome is, you know, an asset that, you know, we take for granted most times. Uh, but, you know, like you said, I, I think the seats is one way they can improve. Obviously, we know they're getting a new scoreboard uh, next summer. But uh, just little minor stuff, I guess. I guess maybe a couple more bars would be really cool. But uh, other than that, you know, I think Rogers Center is, you know, a really nice facility. It's always, you know, a blast heading there uh, during the summer. And I love watching games there. But let's move on uh, to the actual team itself now. Uh, let's talk about the rotation. All right. So um, on our next topic here, uh, what's your rotation prediction? I'll let you go first, then uh, I'll go after. But uh you know, this is certainly be a fun topic to talk, uh, talk about now that we got Gosman. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think they're done adding. I should probably preface that by saying that. I think they might go out there and grab, you know, maybe a Shamanaya or something along those lines. I don't really know who yet uh, they'd pick up, but I definitely think they'll add at least one more, uh, whether that's free agency or trade. Uh, as of right now, though, I think your rotation probably looks something like uh, Gosman, Berrios, Manoa, Hunjin, and then probably uh ross stripling as a as a five starter i mean personally not huge on ross as your opening day number five but i mean he's done it before uh, i'd prefer to see him out of a out of, you know out of the pen as a long man so i think that's probably what they'll try to do um but as of right now i think if opening day were to start today that would be uh what they'd roll, the, roll out there with uh i think i'm gonna go obviously like you said gosman you know what they paid him for is definitely gonna be top end rotation but if I was to kind of forecast a prediction right now, and I know I also agree with how you said, I don't think they're done adding. I think uh, we've seen a lot in uh, articles throughout the last couple of weeks. I know due to the lockout, it's been kind of dry with the news, but the Jays have been heavy uh, linked to uh, Kikuchi. So I think if they swing Kikuchi, that's a great fifth starter right there. But uh, as the current roster stands, I think Barrios is going to be the, I guess, number one to begin the year on opening day. I think after that extension and, you know, his familiar, uh, familiarity with the Blue Jays, I think he gets the opening day start. Then I think they go with Manoa. I know it's kind of a bold number two instead of Gosman, given how much they paid him. But I think Gosman's going to get that third role right now, uh, just sit in the middle, um, you know, as the season starts. Obviously, injuries are going to get picked up. I'm sure Gosman's going to move up. But I think just uh, like, you know, the Jays are really known for taking things slow with their big uh, additions. So I think if Gosman's that third guy, and then obviously Ryu at four, I think Ryu at four, um, there's not many teams in the league that have a starter like Ryu in the four spot, right? Uh, I know he did struggle last year, but like me and you both said, I think he can find uh, his groove a bit and be a really solid fourth kind of guy there, even potentially push up uh, the rotation uh, depending on injuries. I like the depth there. But the problem is, like you said, the fifth spot, right? Like I also have Stripling slotted in there, but um, you know, Ross as that fifth starter, um, when we're talking about winning the division, yeah, he's not like a horrible fifth one, but you know, I, I would like to see them go get Kikuchi. I think Kikuchi could bring a, a different kind of, uh, arm to this rotation. And I think that's uh, crucial as the season goes on, because we saw what happened with Ross last year. And, uh, I think he fits that bullpen role a lot better. Um, you know, that long reliever type style but uh you know currently as this five-man rotation right now i'm extremely happy with it so um yeah. any last things you want to add on to that i mean i'd say ideally uh in an ideal world i think kikuchi's gonna be cheap that's the thing he didn't he struggled a lot last year um 
but it would not be a bad idea to bring him in solely for the fact that we did lose two lefties uh, in Mats and Ray, right? So we only have one left in the rotation. And although it doesn't matter that much, um, it would be nice to have, you know, another lefty in the mix uh, as a starter. Uh, I would also say that personally, I'm more of a fan if Hunjin's the five starter. I mean, I know that he his track record's better than that, but I just don't know how much I can trust the guy. Like, obviously, ideally, he's, I know he's capable of being a solid three or four, but I mean, ideally, I'd want him in the five spot, and then he can always just be like a, a positive surprise uh, as the season moves on. I think that takes a lot of, a lot of pressure off him as well. Uh, and I guess as a final word, uh, when it came to Berrios and Gosman, I think they're interchangeable at the number one. I just, I mean, for opening day, it might as well be Berrios for, you know, for uh, whatever reason. But I think in terms of talent-wise, I think it's interchangeable. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's no real difference. Both guys are elite arms, and I cannot wait to see them pitch for our Toronto Blue Jays. But uh, let's go a little bit away from pitching now, and let's head more to the offense uh starting with the top of the order um a full lineup episode we'll have coming on in the future but let's just talk about the top of the order obviously Simeon was there last year uh you know you take his bat out of the lineup tell me um well actually you know what this time I'll go first in my opinion I think uh it's got to start with Springer you know last year there was controversy when they pushed Springer uh down the lineup and you know a lot of people didn't like that uh Springer also says he feels really comfortable in that number one spot uh, second, I'd, I'd actually go Bichette. I know this is a little bit more old school, but I'd kind of put Bichette at number two because when you have Guerrero in the third spot, I think uh, that um, uh, Vladdy brings more power uh, than Bo does. And I think if you have a guy like Guerrero hitting behind Bo Bichette, who, you know, Bo Bichette, yeah, sometimes he does swing out of the zone and he does let, you know, his emotions get the best of him. But I really like his ability to find spaces in the outfield with his hit with his hits like I think he's really good at finding you know doubles and triples a lot more likely than uh you know most other guys in the lineup given how good Bo is but I think if you have Bo there who can find gaps then you have Guerrero and Hernandez behind him with Kirk if Kirk's playing I think you know that that's a really strong top of the order right there and uh that's going to score you a lot of runs tell me uh what do you think about that uh well actually I agree with one and four. I think that Springer has to be your leadoff hitter. He has the most experience out of everybody in the lineup in that, in that spot. Uh, number four, got to be Teoscar. I mean, he's done a fantastic job since he's, you know, been in that spot. Uh, the Bo and Vlad thing, like, I totally understand your uh, take. And it's not a bad one because, honestly, that was where I kind of sat with for a while. Because uh, especially, like, Bo being the aggressive hitter that he is, hitting in front of somebody like Vlad, he'll definitely get more pitches to hit uh, in the zone because, you know, you can't walk Bo. To see, I mean, you could, but I wouldn't walk Bo to face Vlad. Um, I think that's going to be a little, uh, that's going to be where you kind of play around with the lineup a little bit. Uh, personally, I did like Vlad in the two hole, though. Like, uh, I think with how much he walks and gets on base, it's not a terrible idea. Um, so I think probably, in my opinion, I'd probably go uh, Springer, Vlad, Bo, and then Teoscar. Um, and then J Ram. Nah, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, ideally, I think that's your top four. I think that's what you're looking at. Um, and I think that will, either way, you're fine, I think, whether it's Vlad at two or Bo at two. J-Ram, I like how you threw that in there. If the Jays managed to get him, well, that's uh, what it's not going to be. Imagine that episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with that, with what you're saying. He did. Actually, I was just kind of like, 
I don't know how I felt at first with Vlad in the two hole. Cause like my approach is more old school, I guess. But, um, you know, like you said, I, I do like how, like, you can't really walk Bo Bichette if he's in the two hole. Right. So, um, it's definitely, you know, going to be fun to see wherever these guys play in the order, you know, their offense is going to be, uh, extremely fun to watch. Do you think though, with the loss of Simeon that, um, maybe we're kind of, I guess, overhyping the offense and it might not be what it was last year. Cause you know, although they had the names that we just mentioned, Simeon's season was, you know, superstar level. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, uh, Simeon's season was probably, well, I mean, man, gold glove, silver slugger, same season, most home runs by a second baseman. I mean, we could say it, we could say it over and over again, but I don't think it really sinks in. Like that was a phenomenal season. Uh, what I will say though is, uh, I do think this lineup is still going to be a force. I mean, you're hoping to get more games out of Springer than you did last year. I think when Springer was in the lineup, we had one of the best win percentages in all of baseball. Um, and then when he was out of the lineup, we were around 500, I think. Um, we should be good. We should be good. I think that everyone's going to take a step forward next year. I mean, nobody on the roster is that old where you'd have to worry about regression already. So I think even though we did lose Simeon, I think with an addition of another bat or two and uh, – you know, the potential jumps out of the guys who are already there. I think you're still looking at a very, very solid lineup. And even if it falters a little bit, I think, again, the reason that they didn't make the playoffs last year was because of the pitching, both the bullpen and the starters at some point in the season were just off. So I think even if you get a little bit worse of a, of an offense, but the pitching is much better, I think you're still looking at running away with the division. Yes. Uh, one thing though, that I just want to touch up on here before we move to uh, the prospect part of this episode is I think uh, Gurriel is going to have a massive role this year on the offense. Um, we know what he can bring when he's in the field. He's got that cannon of an arm, but you know, we all know Gurriel somehow always has this like really slow start and then he finds his way and then he goes, he has his ups and downs. One of my favorite, one of my most favorite players on the team, love Lourdes. Uh, but you know, I think he's going to have a, a larger role now given Simeon's lot, uh, you know, move to uh, Texas, but Guriel, like, how do you feel about him? Cause I know a lot of people want him in the trade packages that are being sent out, you know, in the mock trades all over social media. Um, tell me, do you think, like, do you agree with me how Guriel's going to have to step up the season or uh, do you think he's, he's uh, moving away in uh, one of those trades? So I think that, it's kind of like one of those situations where I can say both things could be correct. And I think that's because honestly, I've always been a fan of Lewis. I think looking back year after year, he's actually had very productive offensive seasons. I think he does tend to have his slumps, but I mean, when he's on fire, he can hit with the best of them. Like you, I mean, I've seen it year in and year out for the last couple of years, and especially that, uh, in the, I mean, I know it was a shortened season, but I believe 2020 was a very good year for him. Um, but on the other side of it, I think he's, the fact that he is so solid of a hitter, I think is very attractive. And he is probably the guy on the roster that is the easiest to trade. Um, if that's who they're asking for on top of prospects, obviously, because I don't think there's anybody else in the lineup that has the combination of value with, you know, the probably least amount of loss in terms of what they provide for the lineup. So I can see why a lot of people would throw him into trades because at the end of the day, if uh, you know, a Matt Chapman or Jose Ramirez is up for, or, up on the table, Lourdes isn't going to be the reason they say no to the trade, right? Like they're not going to say, no, I don't want Jose Ramirez because you want Lourdes Gurriel. I just, as, as good as Gurriel has been, I just, 
I, I just, I could definitely see them moving him as like a, you know, an MLB ready player in involved in the deal. Oh yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, but what about Grichik? How do you feel about uh, Randall? I mean, Randall's kind of just there to be honest with you. Uh, he does the same thing every year. He gets off to a really hot start and then falls off. The wheels fall off basically for the rest of the year. He's not really tradable for anything. Uh, I think they tried or they would have tried already, uh, especially last year because you already had four outfielders, so you're running five basically. Uh, you know, he he is what he is kind of at this point. Like we've seen it every year. Um, I doubt you'd be able to trade him for anything more than like another bench piece or something. Uh, so I think he's just kind of there to stay until his contract expires. And then I don't even know if they bring him back or not, but that's just my, and especially another right-handed bat in a, mm. in a right-handed heavy lineup where he's not even probably top five, top six of right-handed bats on the team. It's kind of tough to find a spot for him. I agree. I think once his contract's up, I think he walks. I think the fit's not really there anymore with uh, Toronto. Um you know, he's like you said, he has that weird, like really strong start. Then as the year goes on, he kind of phases down the lineup. Um, I don't, like I said, I like you said, I don't think Grichik is one you can go out there and, you know, move in a deal that you actually get something really worth it back. Unless a team's like really buying his early season hype if he does have a strong start. Uh, you know, his contract isn't really favorable to given like what he's done the last couple seasons. Uh, obviously the Jays, you know, kind of paid him to be that, I guess, retool, rebuild phase that they went through to be their mm-hmm. center fielder. But uh, I think, you know, Grichik's time here with Toronto's really closing down. And uh, I don't think the fit's necessarily the best. I, I, I like Grichik, the player. Um, you know, I was really excited when they brought him over. But uh, I think, you know, the fit's kind of not uh, what it was a couple years ago. So I would like them to move on from him. But uh, you know, it comes down to what are you getting back, right? Is it really going to be worth it? And I don't think it is. So I think he just plays the remainder of this uh, contract. And, you know, I think he walks uh, in the offseason. Yeah. But let's get started. Or Sorry, did you want to touch on anything? No, no, I agree 100% with what you said. I, I think that's the path it's headed down. Yeah. So let's get into uh, probably the most ex- like exciting part of this episode is what's to come with the prospects. So uh, we both highlighted three names. Um I think we should start with Otto Lopez. Uh, like, you know, yep. Roshan Moreno are going to be following him. But, um, you know, Lopez, known for his play at second base. He's a hit over power kind of guy. But he did add strength, I've seen, uh, through some reports, uh, you know, as he's gotten older, which is always, you know, good. Because, uh, you know, like you said earlier on, doesn't really have the power. I think what you say is tops his five home runs. Yeah, I think his most I have right here is most – uh, in his season was basically five. He's hit it twice, but I mean, you know, in a in hundred plus games, five home runs. I mean, the power's just not there. It, it probably won't be there, but uh, continue. Go ahead. Uh, he's got good speed and athleticism. Um, he's a threat on the bases. He's uh, not bad at finding gaps with his hits, which probably makes him, you know, uh, how high of a prospect he's rated. Uh, he's regarded as one of the most versatile prospects in the system. Uh, he's got an arm that can play infield and outfield from what I've seen to multiple reports. So uh, we know we saw him last year in one at bat. Uh, I'll let you go first to this one. Uh, what do you think uh, Otto Lopez brings to the team in 2022? Uh, sure. I mean, I think what you're going to be looking at is you're going to be looking at a super utility kind of player. And when I say super utility, I just mean that he can play all over at a, I mean, uh, hopefully a decent uh, level. 
I'm not expecting too much. Uh, I mean, he does get on base a decent amount, and he's done that throughout his whole minor league career. I mean, his uh, overall on-base percentage in the minors is 375, so that's definitely solid. I mean, you're, you're due for some uh, drop when you go to the major league level, but I think still, uh, nonetheless, you know, a guy who can play all over the infield with – or, sorry, all over the field with decent uh, speed and a decent hit tool, I think, you know, that's, that's a nice luxury to have. Uh, do I think he'll be an everyday player? Probably not, at least not in 2022. Uh, but I also don't know if I see him getting moved either in a trade. So I do think you'll see him kind of in that, you know, Kevin Smith kind of role that he came up and he was kind of just there. I feel like Otto Lopez might come up and take that kind of role where he's just in and out of the lineup whenever guys need rest. Uh, and, you know, whatever you can get from him will be nice. And, you know, maybe we'll see a breakout, but uh, that all depends on how well he can put the ball in play because the power clearly isn't his strong suit. Oh, yeah, I agree for sure. I love how you relate that to Smith. I think that's exactly what he's going to be going into next year. I don't think he's going to be, you know, that X factor on this team. If he does break out, that's a huge, uh, you know, W for the team. But I just, I can't see him being much more than what we really got from uh, guys like Smith, like you said, this season. But uh, moving on from uh, Otto, let's go with uh, probably your favorite prospect in the system. Uh, Jordan Groshans, uh, the infielder, third base shortstop. uh, One of the top prep hitters in his class when he was drafted. He has potential to be a plus hitter, plus game power, uh, balanced swing with plus bat speed, uh, no problems with velocity. So he does, when he faces high vol, uh, high velocity pitching, he does really well still. And uh, his approach for his age is extremely advanced. And a lot of uh, you know scouts have talked about that. And it's probably why he's such a highly regarded prospect around Major League Baseball. So uh, I'll let you go first again with this one. Uh, talk to me about Jordan Grosh hands in 2022. Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, definitely by far my favorite prospect in the system. Unfortunately, good enough that we could see him on the move this offseason. Uh, I think that if there's a potential trade for a top level player or two, I think he's the guy who's going to be going the other way, unfortunately. But there's not much not to love. I mean, when you already have a shortstop in Bo Bichette, a guy like Groshans, who natural shortstop, but they're planning to push him to third base most likely. Uh, I mean, he's got everything really you could ask for. Uh, the defense isn't great at short. It's, it's passable, but I mean, you move over to third base, that should definitely improve. And with the arm strength that he has, it should even, you know, should be even better. Uh, overall, though, I think, you know, he's projected to be above average for sure. And some think, some think he even could be an occasional all-star. I, for one, think that he can be above that level even. But uh, you always have to wait for things to unfold. Overall, though, I think uh, in 2022, I think that if he plays for the Blue Jays, I mean, I still think he has unbelievable raw power that he can tap into uh, and just an overall great hit tool. So I think that if he does get a chance, he'll make an impact. Um, on the other side, his impact could be getting traded for a potential MVP, MVP kind of player, you know? So I think uh, either way, he's going to be very impactful on the 2022 season, no matter way, no matter which way it goes. The way you worded that kind of, uh, you know, makes me think about J-Ram and uh, a potential package there. Uh, obviously, both of us really want to talk about that topic. So we're going to save that yeah. for maybe the next episode coming yeah, out. We can do trade talks. We can do trade talks. We can go dive into that next time. Yes, I know. Uh, that's definitely a conversation me and you are eager to have. But uh, let's go down the list here. Uh, catcher Gabriel Moreno, uh, 21 years old. He's 5'11". Uh, quick and compact swing, low strikeouts and uh, walk rates, uh, advanced hand-eye, adding more power, should be above average in both 
hit and power uh, categories. Um, quick and athletic defense uh, that really stands out to scouts, and uh, he has an above-average arm. So this guy's been talked about league-wide. Um, I'll start with this one. Moreno, you know, this guy's been in every single talk um, regarding a trade. You know, this is, I guess, to some people, the big prospect in the Blue Jays organization now. Obviously, you can have the argument that Groshans is, but Moreno, just like watching him, and I haven't got the chance to see him live personally yet, but I've watched a lot of his uh, tape from the minor leagues. His stance is just so amazing to me. I, I haven't really seen anything like that. I love the way his hands are held back and that kind of, you know, dropped in approach where he's really relaxed and the way he's able to just like crush the baseball is so fun to watch. And I can't wait till this guy makes it to the major leagues. Um, I see a lot of comments always relate him to like a Salvador Perez, obviously, you know, that's a luxury if he does turn into this, but uh, watching his tape, you know, there's no reason why anybody is going to say that he can't achieve that. This guy's a phenomenal prospect, uh, super fun to watch. And nobody has really negative things to say about him. Tell me, uh, what do you think about Moreno? Man, huge fan. I think I think he's going to be special. I mean, looking at his stats even from the last year, uh, he's playing in, let's say he was playing in AA, for example, when he's playing for New Hampshire. The guy hits 373 with a 440 on base percentage. You know, hits eight home runs in 32 games. So, I mean, power's there, on base is there. You know, you see a little bit of everything. 45 RBIs, phenomenal in 32 games. Uh, defense exceptional. Uh, I think you're looking at somebody who could potentially be like a perennial all-star kind of catcher. I think that's what we're looking at. I know there was rumblings of him uh, playing third base, but I would much prefer to keep him behind the dish if that's possible. Uh, I think ideally that's where, that's where his home is. And not only that, but he could be one of the best hitting catchers in the game if that's where he stays. Um, I think he projects well. And if we see, I hope to see him soon in 2022, you know, obviously barring we get a season. I hope to see him early on in 2022 because I think he can make that kind of impact out of the gate. Um, and all signs just point to him being absolutely phenomenal. And I think he's untouchable. I don't think there's anybody really that they could offer uh, in a trade package that the Jays would look at and think, okay, we'll give up Moreno. I don't think he's on even on the radar for being traded. Yeah, I hope not. He's, uh, you know, an extremely exciting player. Um, imagine, just imagine a world where this, you know, Jay's offense is, I guess, a little bit older. And then you have Moreno who walks right in at the catcher position and just hits bombs as well. And you add that to this lineup, you know, this offense, um, I don't even think they really have to go out and they have to go and acquire somebody big or pay somebody big. Like I think right now, if you just, the way it's, uh, you know, I guess flowing through the system, uh, you know, the bats that the Jays are developing, I think this offense is going to be a juggernaut no matter what no matter who they bring in, obviously you want to see extensions handed out to the big four right now, but you know, just the way the Jays development has really taken the next step. And I think that they have some chips uh, in the system right now that can definitely make a huge impact on the future, regardless in what way the Jays decide to go about it. If they want to spend, if they don't want to trade them, whatever they want to do. But, you know, I think either or right now is a win for the blue Jays. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, there's not much they can do wrong. I think, the only thing is that if they want to compete sooner in terms of like, you know, they want to be that dominating force once again this year, then they'll have to make a couple moves. But if they were to even wait and see, I think you have enough talent where the offense is concerned, where in two years from now, you're going to have a loaded offense without doing anything. Right. I think extensions are definitely would be on my priority list. I think that's the first thing that's got to get done for long-term. 
but really you can go any direction you want and it'd be hard to mess this up. So this is just going to be a, a th throw you on the spot kind of question here. Um, when would you talk to Vladdy about an extension? Obviously I'm sure they probably brought it up with him right now, but mm -hmm. like when would you start to actually get serious about it? I mean, honestly, I would be okay with even talking about it this year. Really? Uh, I'm perfectly okay with that. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to wait the full season, sure. I can't, I can't imagine that him doing the same thing again this year would change his price. Like, I don't think there's any difference in waiting now versus next year. Cause I think if he does the same thing, he'll still demand the same dollar amount. I'm guessing he's going to want close to 300 million or more. I mean, I don't know, but that's just where my mind would be at. Cause you know, you see a guy like Tatis get 300 million, you know, you see like guys like, you know, guys that shouldn't be getting $300 million contracts getting that much money. And you're like, you know, I, I think that's kind of where his eyes would look. Um, but would I mind paying him that? No, not really. I think, I think you maybe want to see him uh, repeat this performance. So maybe I would push it off, but I think within the next year, I think I would start the, the conversation at least. What about you? Um, I, I like how you brought up the tease. So uh, Fernando, yeah, he got that. I think it was like 330 million um, contract. The way they kind of structured it, it's more backloaded, which I think is perfect for a team like the Padres. I think it's perfect for a lot of teams if they want to go that route, um, you know, to extend their young superstars and kind of a backloaded so that, you know, you have that early window when you're contending to get the most out of uh, him and while having that flexibility with uh, your budget. Uh, but the thing with Vladdy is, I mean, I'd kind of wait to see this year only because, like, I don't think that, okay, like, Vladdy's my favorite player on the team, but I don't think you're going to run into that, like, wall where he's just going to completely fall off. Exactly. I just want to see how does he approach this year. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to be taken a lot more seriously when he's up to bat. You know, teams are going to start, you know, actually planning for him for a full season stretch. This is no more or uh, this is no more talk about how this guy just talked about because of his dad and all that stuff that all the haters have said for many years, you know, this is Guerrero's first season of, you know, having that MVP talent level. So I think the way teams are going to approach him is going to be a lot different. I don't think he's going to have, you know, a down season. I think he's going to have a very solid season again, but I would just wait to see, you know, just to be extra cautious because I don't like handing out massive deals after like with Tatis, uh, you know, phenomenal player, but, like we're already seeing shoulder injury problems with Fernando, right? And he's so young and he's refusing to get the surgery. And we've seen what surgery has done to young players and it's really derailed their careers. Um, but, you know, I think you just wait the year out. Uh, yeah. I think, I don't think Vladdy's going to want to leave. I think he loves being in Toronto. I don't think that any of that's going to be a problem. I think he's also a little bit more grounded when it comes to money compared to other all-stars. You know, he doesn't really strike me as the kind of guy to, I think he's going to want to get paid, but I don't think he's really going to be like, putting the Jays in a really bad situation. I think he knows what he's got here with the team. I think he knows the pieces around him as well aren't going to be cheap. Um, but if I had to throw a prediction, just judging off history, I know this kind of might go against what I just said, but I think a realistic number might actually be 350 million. And I know that is insane if you just think about it off, um, you know, off the top of your head. But if you look to tease 330, right? And we've seen in the history of these massive contracts, the next guy always gets a little bit more, right? It's like other sports, for example. Mm -hmm. the, NFL, the, next, the quarterbacks, when they're up, they always get that, you know, a little bit more than the next guy. I think we're starting to see that now in Major League Baseball. Acuna got that 100. Then we saw Fernando blow, you know, the water away with his contract. I think Vladdy's going to 
just get that 350 threshold around there. But I, I think after this year is probably the best time to start it. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's kind of what I talked myself into. Um, I think that waiting a year is definitely the best thing, but I don't think like what I mean is like, I don't think the price will change is what I mean. Like if he has a decent year, like again, this year, I don't think it increases and I don't think like it'll, it'll change. It'll probably stay what it would have been now. Right. Um, I think with the Tatis thing, I think Vladdy's a safer bet. Uh, in terms of staying healthy, like Tatis has always had injury problems from what I, from what I can understand. And especially since he's shown up, like he can't play a full season. Uh, Vlad, I really don't see that being a problem, especially playing first base and doing whatever. Like, I, you know, I think he'll be all right, but I could definitely see waiting a year. Uh, I think that's probably, probably a really good uh, plan. And yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that with the chemistry that they have in the dugout that, you know, Vlad would understand or would want to, you know, take a little bit of a pay cut. I mean, I'm not talking a Cunha pay cut because that's another world of, of pay cut, but, you know, maybe a small little bargain or hometown discount just so that, you know, you can keep the uh, core together for quite a long time. Cause I think if they do, it'll be something special for, for years to come. Yeah, I agree. So now let's talk about, this is going to be the last main topic of this second episode the first one of 2022 actually um so this is going to be way too early uh obviously we're still in the lockout but give me your record prediction as the current roster stands and given what the mlb looks like right now okay gotta think about this because if it's as currently constructed hmm, and they went let me just get the exact right Let's see, because last year they went 91 and 71. Okay. And do I think they're better right now as of last year? I don't. But I think despite being worse talent-wise because of the losses of Simeon uh, and Mats or whatnot, I do think that we'll see better performances at the start from the pitching staff. So with that being said, I think as of right now, I think they'd be 93 and 69 maybe. I think that's probably where I'd put them about two wins over what they were last year, but that's with, with no additions. Cause I think if they take this roster, add another bat, add another starter, that would might, that might add five wins. And then you're looking at like a 98 win team. You know what I mean? But I think, I think 93 wins, I think sounds about right to me. Um, I don't think that wins the division as of right now, but I think that's the point. I think, I don't think they win the division as currently constructed unless they get on some crazy hot streak. I think they need to add a piece or two still maybe more. And then you're looking at that, like, mid to high 90 wins and then you know top of the division i agree with that um my number in my head that i have right now i think it's going to be a 95 win season so 95 and 67 uh, i'm going off of you know we talked about this last episode how many blown games from the bullpen at the early start of the year and you know the pitching was kind of a mess of different kind of parts of the season i think now the pitching looks a little more different I think Garcia and, you know, Gosman coming in, I think those are upgrades in a way. I think Romano now having that off season where he knows the workload he's going to get is going to be as large as it is. I think he's going to be another big piece for next year. I don't think they're done adding, like you said, so I can't really say all this. I do agree though with how they're not going to be the division runners just yet. I think, you know, we might see the Rays and Red Sox hang, hang around this year, even the Yankees too. I think they're going to go out and make, you know, a massive deal. Obviously there's been talks about Olsen uh, this whole off season, but I really think Jays are 
don't get me wrong, they are a playoff team for sure. In my eyes, I think they get that wild card spot. Actually, it depends on what we see with uh, the current, you know, lockout and how many playoff spots get added. But I think they finish second in the division with 95 wins, just as the roster looks right now. I mean, I don't think that's far off. I, I can't see them winning less than 90 games. I, I, it would take, like, some extreme struggles from a couple guys in the lineup for them to lose, like, for them not to win 90 games. Uh, I think, you know, unless Springer misses, you know, knock on wood, unless Springer misses, like, half the season or something, I think even as currently constructed, they'll win over 90 games. And I think that those, uh, you know, any number above 90, I think you're looking at is just going to be how – how well the bullpen plays, I think, to be honest, because that was the kind of the difference maker last year. Last year, we easily were a hundred win team last year without if the bullpen didn't implode half the time to start the year. Right. So well, I that, th- that's sorry to interrupt. Well, you're good. That you're good. Part right. There is what I want to highlight when you talked about, you know, last year, this team had a hundred wins potential. So I, before I let you finish, I just want to, ask you we obviously know the ceiling of this jays team would be a world series you know there's no way you can count this team out especially the offense we had talks even this year uh of if this team made the postseason that they would be a world series contender and like how how hard this team would be to uh to beat in a series but tell me what's your floor for this team like before you call it a bust season like obviously if they you know somehow manage to only win 60 games that's you know a bust in every that's the definition of that I'm not saying they're going to get that. The Orioles? <laughs> You're the Orioles now? But, uh, yeah, I think bust, in my opinion, I, I think I, – I still think a bust is not making the playoffs. I, I, whatever, whatever that number is, I think that's what it is. Because, I mean, as much as I don't want to put a ton of pressure and be like, you know, let's be patient with these guys, I still think you have to make that next step. I mean, you made the playoffs in that shortened season. Obviously, there was extended playoffs, of course. But – you know, then you get into the next year and you miss it by a game, right? So I feel like naturally the next step has to be making the playoffs. I feel like it has to be. Mind you, is it going to end the world? Is it going to be like we have to, re, you know, rebuild and trade everyone away if we don't make the playoffs? No, that's not the case. That, that won't be the case for a very long time. You know, this is a very good core and it will be for a while. But I still would see it as a disappointment of a season if we didn't make the playoffs. And I think a bust you know, if, if, if you'd go as far as to say it's a bust, I think you'd be perfectly valid in thinking that. Yes. This team certainly has the hype. It has, you know, every little bit of excitement attached to it, especially after last year. And, you know, I just think the way it ended uh, looking back now, it, it kind of brings the, the more of an excitement to this team now knowing like, you know, how close this team was. You can tell it definitely didn't sit well with, you know, the stars here like Vladdy and Bo and, I think that just provided them a little bit more motivation going into next year. I'm really excited, as you can tell. I'm sure you are as well. I'm sure all Jays fans listening are excited. Um, but that concludes the end of this episode. Nick, thank you for joining again. Um, anything you want to say before we end the episode? Well, you know, it was great to uh, record this once again. I, I enjoyed talking about it. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, we didn't get great news today with the uh, lockout and where that stands. But I'm ready for baseball, you know. Catchers and pitchers are supposed to uh, are supposed to report in February. I'm not sure if that's going to happen now. But, you know, I need to see this team in action very soon. But uh, nonetheless, though, still exciting times in Toronto. Still exciting times. Yes, sir. All righty. Thank you all listening. That is it from myself and Nicholas. 
Go Jays, go. And we can't wait to talk to you again on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Stripping